could honestly say that's the first time I've ever had cake before I've preached. This truly is a church of a different flavor. And I love it. So, um, all right, I started a series last week. How many of you guys got something out of last week? Raise your hand if you got something out of last week. All right, we, we were talking about um, confronting the orphan spirit. Now, you may be wondering what that is, but hang with me. Let's open our Bibles. Um, this is another scripture that I've just been, you know, I, it's like every time I stand up, I say it. But I, that's okay. Um, I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to welcome our, our, if you're here for the first time tonight, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're here for the first time. I, you know what? Let's just welcome them real quick. Amen. Awesome. Welcome, welcome. Okay. All right. In Colossians chapter 1, I don't know if I'm going to sit, stand, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. In verse 13, I kind of want to zero in on that one. And I, I'm going to read it in, in two versions, the amplified version of the Bible and then the, the King James version. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Okay, it says, The father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control, out of the dominion of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In the King James, it says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. What, I said it three times because here's the point. We talked about it a little bit last week, that when you get born again, you come out from under the power of darkness. There are two kingdoms in operation in the earth. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, I mean, let me just say it, the kingdom of the devil, right? And the kingdom of God. Two kings, two kingdoms. And when you get born again, there is something that takes place. Your citizenship gets transferred. And you become a citizen of heaven. You no longer are under the control and the dominion of darkness. Now, we talked last week about this is just the truth. This is the truth. We also talked about my personal testimony was that I was born again when I was 10 years old. But I didn't experience the benefits of being translated out of the kingdom of darkness until I was in my 30s. So for 20-something years, even though the truth is I was no longer under the control and dominion of darkness, I was still living under the control of dominion and darkness. So the truth, there was no evidence of that truth being true in my life. Right? We also talked about Romans Verse 12, I mean in chapter 12. And we said that 
once you are born again in the kingdom of God, you have to learn how to live as a child of the king of kings. You have to learn how to live as a royal daughter and a royal son. You have to learn this, right? Just like a baby in the natural has to learn how to walk and learn how to talk and they're fed milk and then they go to baby food and then they go to real food. There's a growing up process in the natural. Well, there's a growing up process in the kingdom, right? We have to change the way that we think. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. It's like a, um, have many of you ever have like restored something in your house or something, you know, where you've, you've redone your kitchen or you've redone a bathroom and you updated it and you upgraded it, you know? It's a lot of work, right? Gut it and redo it. Well, you've got to gut the way you think. Everybody comes into the kingdom thinking like a slave because you've been under the power and the control of a kingdom that is run by a tyrant and, and is a, it's a kingdom of bondage. It's a kingdom of um, domination, all right? But the kingdom of God is a kingdom of freedom. And you have to learn how to live free, <laughs> right? You have to learn that. You know, my story, many of you have heard it before, but when I started learning about the principles of freedom in the kingdom, and I started renewing my mind with what the word of God teaches about how a child, a son or daughter of God is supposed to live, and I don't mean in a rules and regulation. I just mean this is who you are. When you get born again, this is who you are, whether you're acting like it or not. All right? But when I began to learn who I was, I was transformed. Okay? My situation before the transformation, I was bipolar. I was mentally ill. And I got completely set free from mental illness because I learned my real identity. And I learned that the real me was not bipolar. That that was not a part of my inheritance in the kingdom of God. That was not a part of the real identity of Shalice. And there are labels that Satan puts on us sometimes before we're ever born, that are not true. It is not your true identity. And I'll tell you, knowing your true identity is everything. <laughs> because here's the deal. We talked about it last week, and I'm just kind of doing a little bit of refresher. In Numbers 13, you know, and you may know this, we may know the story, right, where the Israelites came out of the house of Pharaoh. How many of you know that they were slaves in Egypt? The Israelites were slave in Egypt. They had no rights. They had no privileges. They were under the control and dominion of an evil Pharaoh. Moses was raised up as a deliverer of those people in the same way Jesus has been raised up as the captain of our salvation. 
And he brought through many signs and wonders those captives, those slaves out of Egypt, and he brought them into the wilderness. Now, the Bible tells us in the first chapter of Deuteronomy that it was an 11-day journey for them to get from Egypt into what the Bible calls the promised land. Now, the promised land represents the kingdom of God. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. They were inheriting it, houses that they did not build, filled with all good things. It was a place of abundance. It was a place, they were called, where they would no longer be under the dominion of an evil pharaoh. Okay, but in Numbers chapter 13, it tells a really, really sad story. And it's a sad story because what happened was even though they had been set free from the dominion of Pharaoh, Pharaoh was still in their heart. They still thought like slaves. They were still living like like slaves even though they were no longer slaves. The Bible says it this way, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? You've been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus. And membership in the kingdom of God has its privileges. Way better than American Express. Okay? But in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends out 12 spies in to Canaan. And all but two of those spies came back with what the Bible calls an evil report. Now, they all agreed that Canaan, the promised land, was a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm sure everybody in here would say heaven is a good place. It's a wonderful place, right? But only two of those spies came back and said, Let's go up at once and overtake it. We are well able. Two of them had the correct image of themselves. The rest of them thought of themselves as grasshoppers. And the way they thought about themselves determined whether or not they experienced the good life that God, in Ephesians 2.10 language, we'd say, had made ready for them and prepared for them to live. God had a good life for them to live. He had prepared it for them, set it aside for them. But they could not enjoy that good life because of the way they thought about themselves. Do Do you hear what I'm saying? And in Numbers 13, verse 33, it says, and, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and we were in their sight. And this is what I brought out the point last week. The interesting thing about this passage was not only did they see themselves as grasshoppers, but the giants actually responded to them the way they saw themselves. So the way you see yourself not only impacts the way you feel about yourself, but it impacts the way other people feel about you. It's like, it's like this. 
when I look in the mirror, the image that I have of myself projects me to me, right? And how I see myself in my reflection is how other people see me. It's like they're looking at a mirror and they're seeing a reflection of me that's based on how I see me. How you see yourself is everything. You are not going to live a supernatural life or a life of signs and wonders until you have an image of yourself as working signs and wonders. You you can't go where you, you can't go externally where you've not gone internally. That's why having an encounter with God is so powerful. Because when when you have an encounter with God in worship or you have an encounter with God in the word, And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, when it comes to you, it it changes two things. The way you look at him and the way that you look at yourself. Because you've got to change the way you look at him because he's in you. And you've got to change the way you look at yourself so that you can experience the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. We have, you have to, you have to, we have to change our identity to agree with what God says, right? Now, I want to specifically turn my attention in this because last week I I handed out a handout that had one whole page of just what the word of God says about who you are, right? Just the truth about who you are. Specifically tonight, I want to confront this, this, it's an orphan spirit. It's an orphan identity that needs to be completely uprooted and eradicated from your thinking. Okay. In Romans chapter eight, in verse 14, it says, for as many are as led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For all that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. It says, for, and I'm going to just skip over to the Amplified for a minute. For the Spirit which you have now received, which is the Holy Spirit, right, is not a spirit of slavery. To put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the Spirit of adoption. It says the Spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. Now, first of all, if you're a female, okay, you're still a son of God. Just like if you're a male, you're the bride of Christ. All right? In the spirit, there's neither male nor female. Our earth suits, okay, our bodies are male or female, okay, But women are sons and men are the bride, okay? And we just have to get used to that idea. (laughs) It's a mystery. But it says here that we've not received a spirit of slavery. And then in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. You know, once you really get born again, you know it in your knower. In your knower. You know, you know it. You know if, it, 
if you, if you died on the way down, God forbid, I'm not saying that, but if you died tonight for some reason, you know that you would be in heaven forever with him. Okay? Not based on your performance, based upon your faith in Jesus. Right? Now, now verse 17 says, okay, this says that we're children. So if you've been born again, you are a child of God. Your father is God Almighty who said, let there be light, and there was light. You need to know your daddy because your daddy is limited by what you believe. You better believe, we got to believe right about our daddy because the kingdom of God works by faith, by what we believe. So what we believe to be true about ourselves will limit us, and what we believe about God will limit God. Whoa, you better hear me. What you believe about you will limit you. And what you believe about God will limit God. What you believe about you will limit you. And what you believe about God will limit God. See, the Israelites could not experience the good life that God had planned. Number one, because they, be- they didn't believe. They saw themselves wrong. But you know what? They also saw God wrong. They didn't see him as the one that was going to fight their battles. They didn't see him as the one that was going to do the work. They didn't realize that all they had to do was show up. All they had to do was just show up where God told them to show up. If he told them to march around the city, march around the city. If he told them to shout, shout. If he told them to go to Living Word in Chicago, go to Living Word in Chicago. If he told them to go to the... Do you understand? Wherever God, all he's asking you to do is just hear and obey. Whatever he says, just do it. The supernatural part is not your part. It's just hear and do, hear and do. That's the kingdom, hear and do, see and do, see and say, hear and say. That's it. That is it. We are really, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be old. You don't have, you don't have to be anything but just, you know, obedient. That's the secret. That's the secret. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to obey than others because you have a flesh and you've got an unrenewed mind and you've got ungodly thinking patterns about how to act as a child of God. You're still acting from an orphan place of slavery. You're, and I'm going to talk about some of the characteristics of orphans and slaves and how that is just has no place in your thinking, has no place in the, in the kingdom. But it says here that the spirit testifies together with our own spirit through children of God. We got to get this. We are children of God Almighty. And and then there's the the powerful in verse 17. And if you're children, then you're an heir. You're not a slave. You're an heir. Slaves labor, toil, sweat. For nothing. (laughs) In vain. All right? And heirs receive based upon how they're born. It's not based on what they do. It's based on who they are. They were born into an inheritance. You were born into the family of God. And you have an inheritance based upon your true identity as a son of God. You have an, it's an inheritance. You don't earn anything in the kingdom. You receive it by birthright. 
And because you've been placed inside of Christ, you're the firstborn. You're the firstborn because you're in him. You're in Christ and you're a joint heir with him. You're rich, dude. That's the truth. Now, whether or not you're experiencing abundance is a whole other thing. It depends on how, what, how you see yourself. Your image is everything. Your image is everything. Jesus had a fully developed image of himself as the son of God and a fully developed image of who the father was and was completely obedient to say what the father said and to do what he saw the father doing. And he is our example. Yes, he's our savior. Yes, he's our Lord, but we're in him. That's why he said the same things that I do, you can do. And even greater works you're going to do because I go to the father and there's going to be an army of you. There's going to be an army of you, an army of sons, an army of daughters all over the planet. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. You have rights. Just like the United States has a bill of rights. The kingdom of God has rights. As children, as heirs, you have rights. You have rights. You have rights. You have rights. Let me tell you, in the kingdom of heaven, there are lots of things that are illegal. Just like in the city of Woodland Park, there are things that are illegal. In the state of United States of America, there are things that are illegal. In the kingdom of God, there are things that are illegal. Slavery is illegal. Bondage is illegal. Okay? Sickness is illegal. And is it in heaven? No. It's illegal. It, it, it can't get inside. It can't get in the city limits. Sickness can't get in the city limits. See, John G. Lake, what made John G. Lake? If you don't hear John G. Lake is, John G. Lake was the founder of the Spokane Healing Rooms. He's gone to be with the Lord many, many, many years ago. But he walked in a revelation of divine health that was so powerful that when he would go into an area in Africa that was completely eradicated by a plague, without any inoculation, without any kind of protection, not only would people get healed, but he would flat out say this. I can't get sick. If that disease touches me, it will die. And that's what would happen. They actually took some of his saliva, put it on a little medical slide, took the, the, the disease and put it onto his saliva. And the moment it touched his bodily fluid, it completely died. Now, was John G. Lake really just more anointed than you or me? Absolutely not. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling, that we would understand what it means to be a child of God, that we would understand what it means to be the body of Christ, that we, what we would understand. I mean, could sickness get on Jesus? John G. Lake just walked in a revelation of his identity as a son of God. 
And so therefore, sickness had absolutely no authority. It was like touching heaven. It's illegal. Poverty is illegal in your life. It's absolutely illegal in your life. Running out is not a kingdom concept. Scarcity, not a kingdom concept. Competition, not a kingdom concept. Because you only compete in a scarce environment. You only compete when there's not enough. There is enough room in the Father's house for you. There's enough room. And you're big. Your destiny is big. Your influence is big. God wants to use you in a big way to do something awesome. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. If there was a scarcity problem, I would let you know. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And let me say this. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can take your place. And you don't have to fight for your place. You don't got to self-promote for your place. You don't have to network and market for your place. Promotion comes from God. He sets the members in the body as it pleases him. You don't have to work for it. It's an inheritance. You know, rich people leave houses to their kids. The Lord has left a place that has your name on it. And nobody else, by the way, can even fit in it. Nobody can fit in your place because it was tailor-made for you just like the way you look is unique. You're, you are unique. You're a unique expression of the Father's heart. And there's a place in the Father's heart for you that is just yours. You've got your own room. Okay? You don't have to share a room with your brothers and sisters in heaven. You've got your own room. Okay? And it's just for you. Decorated just the way you like it. With your favorite colors. With your favorite posters on the wall. Of the things that are in your heart. That God placed there. That you love. You're passionate about. That's your room. You know, one time. And I talked about last week. I'm a second generation orphan. My mom was an orphan. I was adopted when I was three days old. And I've come a long way in confronting that orphan spirit in my life. But one particular, I just want to share this story with you tonight. Because when you are in competition with one another for your place, it's like you come to the banqueting table of God where there's an unlimited supply of food and you're you're competing with your neighbor for a little bitty plate when you don't recognize that there's abundance 
enough for everybody, more than enough. I mean, too much. Just you couldn't eat it all if you tried. I mean, it, it's just an abundance. You don't have to try to scarf your food and worry about where the next morsel is going to come from. You know? But um, I was driving home <laughs> from a prayer retreat, and I, I had... I was, had spent like a whole year going up a weekend a month to this particular place where God was doing a work in my life and in my heart. And I was driving home in the car, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And I began to have an encounter with the Lord while I'm driving. How many of you have ever had an encounter with God while you're driving? Is that not amazing that you can have an encounter with God while you're driving, but you actually can? This was a life transforming encounter with God. And in this encounter, I was a little girl. And I was crouched down behind a rock. I was freezing. I was filthy dirty. And I was hiding. And Jesus comes up to me behind this rock. And he says, where have you been? I have been looking for you everywhere. And I just look up with my little eyes and I say, I've been a bad little girl. And he was like, nonsense. Get out from behind that rock. And you get back in the father's house. And I remember coming out from behind that rock and looking in the distance. And man, this house was like this humongo house. All lit up. I mean, I could see it in the distance. It was gorgeous. And I, it's raining. It's cold. And I'm running just as fast as my little legs would carry me to this house. And... I open up the door of this house, and it smells like Christmas cookies. It's Christmas in the house. I mean, it's like anything that you could imagine what home is. That's what it was. Now, you have to realize, I grew up in an abusive home. You know, I've seen things that no child should ever see. You know, I didn't speak to my adopted dad for almost nine years after I saw him stalk and almost try to kill my mother. And so for me, home had no, had a whole different definition than what home is. And so when I walk into this place, I mean, I never knew what safe was, but it was, it was like, home fresh baked cookies coming out of the oven the christmas tree all decorated christmas music playing and it was like is this a dream this is this is home and he said now get up in the shower and wash off and i realized that it wasn't an ordinary shower it was a blood shower it was a shower that the blood of Jesus was coming out of. And he said, get in that shower and wash yourself off. And then he said, because I've got a robe of righteousness for you. And this little robe was like the craziest robe. It was the whitest robe you've ever seen. It was like big, thick cotton. I mean, like fresh out of the dryer, warm, fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. And it had little matching little slippers that went with it. And I mean, by this time, I'm just like bawling, right? And he's like, and I have a party dress for you, garments of praise. And it was this beautiful dress, this little dress, like I was going to a party. 
And I remember just bawling and bawling and bawling over this because the Lord was delivering me from condemnation and from shame and from being an orphan. And you know, for about a year, every morning I would get up and when I would take a natural shower, when I would get in there in the morning and and wash my hair and take a shower, I took a blood shower. And I let the blood of Jesus wash all that shame, all that condemnation. I let it wash all of that stuff that had separated me from my heavenly father. And the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It will purge your conscience from every dead work. It has the power to supernaturally deliver you from memories, from painful experiences, from episodes of abuse. I mean, I the Lord would come and he would open up the file cabinet of my mind and he would take out videotapes in my mind and just throw them in the blood and watch them disappear. He would take pictures, snapshots, that were from my past, things that had happened to me, things that I had done. And he would take entire photo albums with years on them. You know, 1981, eradicated. That time you snorted cocaine over in that whatever, gone. Entire chapters of my life completely obliterated by the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's the only thing that can do that. No amount of therapy can do it. No amount of psychiatry can do it. No amount of antidepressants can do it. No amount of, I don't, there is nothing natural that can do that. Just the blood of the lamb. It has to completely come in and eradicate every trace of the orphan spirit in our lives. And it's able to do that. And after a full year of taking a blood shower, still hadn't spoken to my dad in over nine years, God started dealing with me about the relationship I had with my father. And he started showing me that that blood shower that I'd been enjoying for the whole year that I had been just being set free in that shower was not just for me. That that blood shower was for everybody. And that I had no right to go into the blood shower and use it freely and experience beautiful fellowship with him while I had unforgiveness in my heart towards my brothers and my sisters and other people in my life. So, I had to start dragging other people in the shower. (laughs) You know? And I had to start letting them experience the power of the blood. And I had to set them free. And I had to learn what it meant to be quick to forgive. And I learned the power of the blood 
to not only forgive, but completely forget. Or even if I hadn't forgotten, there was no effect anymore. There was no effect. The effect of everything that had happened in my past would just, it was like it never happened. It's called restoration. It's called wholeness. It's called getting to a place as though it never happened. And that is God's desire for all of us. Walking out of woundedness, walking out of that place where we have been wounded by our fathers, by our mothers, by our brothers, by our sisters, by the world, by our teachers, whatever, right, is necessary. It's necessary. Because the Bible teaches a lot about what happens when a slave is given authority. When a slave is given authority, he rules with the wrong spirit. Because he has no identity except in the ability and the control of other people. But Jesus, <laughs> right? Because he was not an orphan and secure in who he was, he can take on the robe of a servant. And he can serve others because, they're sec- because he's secure. Right? You are, in an I- you are in a war for your identity. It's an absolute war over you coming into sonship. The Bible says the whole earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. There is a war against you becoming an heir. There is an anointing in here tonight to deliver people from their pasts. And there is a blood shower a big community shower in this room to heal, set free, and deliver us from painful memories in our past. Laura, I know I didn't plan for you guys to do that, but if, uh, you know, I'd love for, there, for you guys, the team, to come back up so that we can have some ministry time tonight. You know, one of the things... One of the reasons I had that encounter, let me just talk about this for a moment, with the Lord driving in the car that time on the way home from that retreat is because the apostle that was over that ministry had an anointing and a grace on her life to set orphans free and to set captives free. And I was completely obedient to go to that place for one month, for a whole year, while the Lord worked this work in my life. And I'm telling you that because I really didn't agree with her doctrine. I didn't, I, I would sit in services sometimes that she would do, and I would not agree with what she was teaching necessarily. But the Lord said, I didn't call you to agree. I called you to submit. 
And those are two very different things, by the way. And because I received and submitted to her, I received the grace from Jesus that was on her life. Not because she was perfect or because her theology was all correct or because of anything she did or didn't do. It was because God had set her in the body with a ministry that I needed, a supernatural ministry that I needed. Now, one of the things that I want you to just receive tonight, grace. Grace that is in this room for supernatural deliverance from your past. So that when you walk out of here tonight, it's gone. Supernaturally gone. Okay? Now, what I want us to do is I want us to stand up and worship. And as we worship, the Lord's going to give us further instructions. Because I'm not doing anything that I don't see the Father doing. So we're going to worship till I see. Now, we're going to be out by 830 because God's a God of order. And it doesn't take him that long. So let's begin to worship and let's, and, and let's believe God that tonight is, the, tonight is your night. Today is the day of salvation for you. I just believe even right now, God is going to be bringing up memories that have seemed to be locked in your mind. Okay? So when that happens, here's what I want you to do. If you start to get a memory or you start to find an area of your heart that needs to be healed and it's starting to be brought up, I just want you to go, in that, go to that place. Now, I know it may seem scary to go there. It may bring up emotions while you're there that were just like it was happening right now. Well, first of all, this is a safe place, and it's not happening right now. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit to set you free from that place. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as you worship, if those things are brought up, feel free to weep. Feel free to cry. Because there's father wounds tonight that God wants to heal. There are people that have been abused in this room by family members. And God wants to heal your heart tonight. There are children of divorced parents. Now, you may be grown up, <laughs> but your child is still, you're still stuck in that place of wounding. You may have been abused by spiritual parents, pastors, and other spiritual leaders, youth leaders. And I just feel led, there's many ways we could do this, but I just feel led that we need to acknowledge that we have been wounded. And if you've been wounded, I want you to come down the, tonight and I just want you to kneel before Jesus. Just kneel. It says, you know, it's a bold step, but, you know, don't, call, don't leave the way that you came in tonight. Come down and kneel. And we're about to turn on the blood shower. in the congregation needs to come up, that's okay. <laughs> that's the nature of the world that we live in. Amen. And 
just find a place to kneel down. And I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened right now. And I want you to feel the rain. Feel the rain. Feel the blood shower. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I receive the healing power of your blood. Come and touch the memories. I give them to you, Jesus. And I put them in the blood of Jesus. Snapshots, entire photo albums of memories of abuse and neglect and I give them to you Jesus and put them in the blood and Father now I give you those that abused me and I ask you to just drench them in your blood put them in the blood Jesus and we just wash them right now with the blood we wash them white as snow we wash them, we wash them. And I just see the Lord just washing their mouths <laughs> because many of them were verbal woundings. And I see those words right now being swallowed up by the blood of the Lamb. And I thank you, Father, those words have no more power in the lives of these people. And I see the Lord coming around the room and placing armbands around his sons and around his daughters saying that you are mine and I am yours and father I break off the fear right now in Jesus name I break off suspicion in Jesus' name. And I release the spirit of sonship. I break off the orphan spirit. I break off right now, Father, in Jesus' name, fear right now. I break off generational curses right now in Jesus' name. I declare that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I thank you, Father, that when your sons and daughters rise from this position tonight, they're rising, rising, rising up to their position as sons, their position as daughters. They're rising to that place 
that you've prepared for them. They're in your house. Accepted in the beloved. Secure. Oh, Papa. Papa, 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 Papa. Daddy. We're home. We're home. We're finally home. Thank you for your embrace, Papa. Thank you for your hug. Hold us, Papa. Heal our little scraped knees. And wipe the tears from our eyes, Papa. We love you, Papa. We love you, Papa. Thank 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 you, Papa. Wipe it away, Papa. See Papa kissing wounds. He's making it all better. Right now. 